0: Maybe seated. You know, we're in Matthew chapter 14. As Pastor Gene comes up, he's gonna read it for us.
1: Well, good morning, church. As we continue to prepare our hearts, if you would take your copy of God's word and turn to Matthew 14, 13, or you can follow along, I think, up on the uh, on the screens. Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself but when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now, when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages to buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, we only have five loaves here and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. And taking the five loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds. And when they all ate and were satisfied, they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, Why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly you are the Son of God. And when they had crossed over, they came to land at Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognized him, they sent around to all the region and brought to him all who were sick, and implored him that they might only touch the fringe of his garment, And as many as touched it were made well. Thank you, Pastor
0: Gene. Well, good morning, everybody. Great to be with you this morning. Great to sing with you and great to dive into God's word together this morning. So just hold your place there in Matthew 14. We're going to jump right back into that in just a few minutes. So kind of hold your place there. But let me just set the stage for what this morning is going to look like we're going to continue on uh through matthew 14 we're going to wrap up matthew 14 and then in just a few minutes i'm going to invite a couple of our other elders on stage with me we're going to have what we call an elder conversation and we're going to speak a little bit to our current cultural moment and what's going on some things in our culture and how the bible speaks to that i think it's going to be really helpful and challenging to you so we're going to do that in just a few minutes but before that we're going to continue walking through this great, great chapter of Matthew 14. Those two stories that Pastor Gene just read, I've got to tell you, two of my favorite accounts in all of the Bible in the life and ministry of Jesus. So let me begin with this question for you this morning. And You think about this, you ponder on this, but how is God's grace at work in your life? Now, if you're part of our live groups, and you're part of a live group, which I really hope you are, you're going to hear that question on a regular basis. That's something we ask ourselves in our community, in our live groups and community on a regular basis. How is God's grace at work in your life today, this week? What does that look like? We ask ourselves that question for a couple reasons. One of the reasons we ask there. that question in community is this is to help us intentionally recognize that God's kindness his unceasing undeserved unmerited favor and activity is toward us constantly God's grace is active in our lives constantly but I'll just be honest we are distracted and we miss it sometimes don't even recognize God's grace in our lives often Second reason we ask that question is this God's grace is not limited to the things we always see as good. Did you hear that? That, that, That's even a really good spot for an amen, or maybe an oh my. I don't know, but think about it. God's grace in your life and my life is not limited to the things we always see as good. Sometimes there's situations of difficulty and uncertainty and things that may not even make sense initially. And we may not be apt to say, oh, well, that's God's grace at work in my life, but often it is. Because listen, God is committed and God is doing anything and everything in our lives to make us progressively more and more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ, his son. Amen? I don't think you heard that. Say that again. God, if you are a believer here this morning in covenant relationship, with God through His Son, Jesus Christ, He is using everything in your life to make you more and more like His Son. That's grace. It's grace. We may not always feel like grace. We may not always be quick to call it grace, but God's grace is active in our lives. Now, what does that often look like in our daily lives? So we come to Matthew 14, and there's two incidents in the lives of the disciples whom Jesus is training and equipping and preparing for ministry that are very clearly the work of his grace in their lives. Now, initially, it may not look like grace. One of the instances we call the feeding of the 5,000, the disciples are going to find themselves in a situation of immense need and a need that they are incapable of meeting themselves of their own resources. You ever found yourself in a situation like that? Situation that the need is so great, there's no way, there's no way you can meet that need of yourself or of your own resources. Jesus leads, if you will, even the disciples in a situation like that. Then they're in the middle of a storm out on the Sea of Galilee. It's a situation where the crisis is so great. There's no way that they can figure out how to get out of that crisis or manage that crisis. Have you ever been in a crisis situation that you knew was so great, you had no way of your own strength to get out of it? These are two situations that the disciples are going to find themselves in. Both are evidences of God's grace, and both are used by the Lord Jesus to deepen their faith. Now, last week we saw two pictures of unbelief, what that looks like. This week we'll see two pictures of faith in the midst of great need and in the midst of great distress, a great storm in the lives of the disciples. So I'm going to show you two pictures of faith this morning from these passages. Picture number one, we're going to look at faith in the face of need. Picture number two, we're going to look at faith in the face of great fear and how God uses those situations in our lives to shape and grow our faith. All right? You guys ready? Two of you. Good. Here we go. Verse 13. Look back with me. Now, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. Jesus has just heard, we read this last week, that John the Baptist has been killed his cousin it's his friend he's grieving and the bible says he withdraws to a desolate place but when the crowds heard of it heard that Jesus was withdrawing they followed him on foot from the towns so Jesus I'll just tell you what's going on here he gets on a boat crosses the Sea of Galilee he's going to go to a place where he can get away for a little bit the, the crowds hear about it, and on foot, they go around the edge of the Sea of Galilee, and they get to the spot on foot before Jesus can get there on the boat. Verse 14. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd. They got there before he did. And he had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. Now, we see Jesus doing that a lot. We see Jesus doing that here. But remember, Jesus is, to be quite honest, he's in a state of grieving. He's lost a friend. He sought to get away from the crowds, the crowds pursue him, and even in the midst of a time of grieving, you see Jesus demonstrating great compassion to the crowds. Beautiful picture of the compassion of Jesus. Now, when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, so we don't know how much time has passed, the day has passed, the evening is drawing near, as best we can tell. These crowds have been with Jesus and the disciples all day long. you got a lot of hungry people who've been there with him all day long. They're in a desolate place. There's no Walmart. There's no McDonald's. There's no Chick-fil-A. It's Sunday. Chick-fil-A's closed anyway. So it's a situation where the disciples realize we need to do something here. And they came to Jesus and they said... This is a desolate place. The day is now over. Send the crowds away. Send them into the villages to buy food for themselves. So the disciples realized this could get a little dicey. you got a lot of hungry, grouchy people here, Lord. So why don't you just send them away? Why don't you just send them away? And under natural, normal, this is a very reasonable request, send them somewhere to the towns around that they can go find food. I love how Jesus responds, verse 6 to eight, Jesus said, they need not go away. They don't need to go away. Jesus in his grace and in his favor is doing something in the lives of the disciples here that they're not even aware of. He says, they need not go away, and I love this, if you render line or mark in your Bible, mark what he says to his disciples, you give them something to eat, you feed them. Now, let's just use our imaginations for a minute. He says that. Peter looks at John. John looks at Matthew. They all kind of raise their hands and go, is he he okay? Because remember, how many people are we talking about? Well, the Bible says the feeding of the 5,000. That's just men. We know there's somewhere around fifteen to 20,000 people. Jesus looks at them and goes, don't send them away. You feed them. They are faced with a need that is impossible for them to meet of their own resources will jesus ever call and command us to do something that is way beyond our own resources and our own ability answer yes it's called the christian life so jesus says you feed them they said to him verse 17 lord we only have five loaves here and two fish you see, their initial response is to look at their own resources in the face of this great need. What do they do? Same thing you and I do. Well, we don't have anything. All we have are five loaves and two fish. Verse 18, Jesus said, bring them here to me. fellows." it's an act of faith. Bring what you have to me. And They do. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. Note that. We'll come back to that in a minute. Jesus orders them to sit down in green pastures. Come back to that. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. Note here that Jesus personally gives food to no one. The the story's called Jesus feeds the 5,000, and and that's accurate, but literally it's the disciples who take the food and feed the 5,000 and minister to this great need that is before them as Jesus gives them supply. Incredible picture. Keep going. Verse 20, and they all ate and were satisfied. you believe that? You got around somewhere around 20,000 people here they all ate and were satisfied to the point in verse 20 they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces left over 12 baskets full Anybody know why there were 12 baskets? Anybody can put that together in your head? Obviously. Each disciple walks away from this situation carrying a full basket of leftovers when 20 or 30 minutes before they were like, we got nothing. Oh, we got a few loaves, some fish. Now they're carrying away basketfuls of leftover, as a picture of the infinite resources of the Lord Jesus. Those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. Here's what I want to do. I want to quickly just give you a few big ideas that flow out of this. We've heard this story before. You're familiar with the feeding of the 5,000. I want you to hear it this morning. Not so much in the incredible miracle that Jesus does. It is that. But he is training and he is equipping and he is maturing and he is growing the faith of these disciples just like he does in in my life and your life. Remember, these disciples are about a year from being sent off on the Great Commission to the ends of the earth. He's deepening and he's developing their faith. It's his grace that is evident. Let me show you a few big ideas quickly that flow out of this. Here's your first one. Faith deepens as we know Jesus more. Your faith is going to deepen and grow roots in your life as you grow to know the beauty and the wonder and the grandeur of King Jesus, who he is, his attributes, his characteristics, his infinite resources, his compassion, his grace. And in this, Jesus is displaying his greatness in front of these disciples. He's not just feeding the multitude. He's making himself known to them. He he makes himself known here. Quickly, In the mind of a Jew, they're going to get it because is there anywhere else in the Bible that the people of God find themselves in a desolate place and they're hungry and they're crying out to God? Well, in the mind of a Jew, they're to hear that and they're to think back to the Exodus when God called the people of Israel out of Egypt and they were there in that dry desert. They said, Lord, we're hungry. you got no food. And Moses cried out to God and God sent the manna from heaven to temporarily satisfy their physical hunger jesus is revealing himself here in john chapter 6 makes this clear we won't take time to look at it that jesus is now the greater moses and even more jesus is the bread of life who has come down out of heaven and they are to see wait a minute it is you jesus who supplies the deepest needs of the soul They're to see that. They're to look past the fact that that he just met their physical needs. Yes, he did. But he did that. Again, John 6. Take time to read that. It is Jesus who is the bread of life. And they were to see that and to be reinforced in their faith and trust in this great king. Is there anywhere else in your Bible that the scripture says something to the effect of he makes them lie down in green pastures? It seems to be referring back to the 23rd Psalm when the good shepherd is the one who meets our needs. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me beside still waters. He makes me lie down in green pastures. They are to see this and be reminded and make the connection, oh, he is our good shepherd. He is our good shepherd. And he will lead us into places that seem difficult. He will lead us into situations that seem hard. And he will even make us lie down in green pastures because he wants to teach us and deepen, us and deepen our faith in him. And that's exactly what he's doing here in the life of the disciples. How is God's grace at work in our lives? Secondly, we see another big idea is this. Faith obeys the word of Jesus. Faith is not some mystical, magical feeling that comes over us. Faith is not something that we said, oh, if I just had more faith, if I could just generate more faith. Scriptural, biblical faith is always rooted in the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of Christ. Jesus gives two commands to his disciples here. He says, you feed them. Seems like an impossible call. And he says, bring to me what you have. And in their acting in obedience and faith, even when they didn't completely understand it, Jesus does an incredible thing in their lives and in the lives of the people. Why? How? They obeyed the word of the Lord. That's what faith is. Thirdly, faith depends on the infinite resources of Jesus. Faith depends on the infinite resources of Jesus. Will Jesus put us in situations where we do not have enough resources, we do not have the capacity, we do not have the ability? Yes, again, I said it earlier, listen to me, that's the Christian life. The Christian life is not you trying harder, doing better, if I can just pull myself up on my bootstraps, if I can keep this commitment, if I can do everything I'm told to do. No, it is the life of Jesus Christ in you, supplying you with grace and resources to walk in obedience and surrender in this life of Christ in us. That's the Christian life. The disciples have got to learn that. We are continually being taught and reminded of that, finally. Faith serves as the hands and feet of Jesus. It's a picture of that. Who feeds the people? Who meets the needs? Who is carrying out this incredible act? Well, we know it's Jesus who supplies. It's the hands of the disciples that take and place into the hands of people and make a massive impact in their lives. Genuine ministry. I want you to hear this. Genuine ministry, leading someone to Jesus, discipling your children, being a life group guide, to cross-cultural ministry, whatever it is, or just walking with Jesus on a daily basis is the life and resources of Jesus pressed out through our lives, impacting the lives of others. That's ministry. Walking in dependence on Him and His resources that He supplies for the good of others and His glory. that now quickly that's the first picture of faith faith in the face of need let me give you the second picture very quickly faith in the face of fear is it grace Is it a grace of god that he will allow us to be placed in situations that are completely out of our control is it a grace of god that he will allow us to find ourselves in situations where it seems over our heads literally we can't manage it it's too great for us That's exactly the situation the disciples find themselves in here. Quickly, verse 22. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. While he dismissed the crowds. Jesus, completely sovereign over the situation, says, All right, guys, get get back in the boat. I'm going to send you back across the Sea of Galilee. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. Jesus is seeking that communion with his Father. Jesus is praying, I think, interceding for the disciples. Jesus is even battling temptation here because John 6 says that after this incident, all the crowds came around him and said, we're ready to make you king now. So He's battling temptation even through prayer on the mountain with his Father. When evening came, he was there alone, verse 23 says, verse 24, but the boat that the disciples were in by this time was a long way from land beaten by the waves for the wind was against them now i'm not i don't boat a lot i don't know a lot about boating maybe some of you do but this is very strong language if you understand they faced a major storm out on the sea of galilee Best I can put it together, it seems that they're out there for somewhere between three to four to five hours while Jesus is up on the mountain praying, battling these waves and battling the storm. It's dark, it's night, it seems like a desperate situation. Verse 25, and in the fourth watch of the night, which is somewhere around 3, 4 a.m. in the morning, Jesus came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. The situation didn't get any worse. They got water in their boat. And they got a ghost outside their boat. It's getting worse. How can it get any worse? They're horrified. It's like a situation completely out of their control. Verse 27 is one of the greatest verses in this whole account. I want you to see this. Jesus walking on the water to the boat. The disciples are not even sure who it is. They think it's a phantom, it's dark. This, you know, remember that the storm is blowing, Jesus. Verse 27, but immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, take heart, be encouraged. And this is incredibly strengthening. In this situation that seems so out of your control, in this situation where you're faced with immense fear jesus says take heart it is i do not be afraid it's me it's me fear not we'll come back to that in just a minute of what jesus is actually saying to them verse 28 and peter answered lord since it is you english translations if it's really since peter's saying lord okay since it's you command me to come out on the water now listen, we all give Peter a hard time, right? Peter always, you know, had word vomit. Peter couldn't stop talking. He always said the wrong thing at the wrong time. He was in pesters. We know that. Man, you've got to give Peter some credit here. In the midst of this storm, the waves are beating down. It's dark. He says to Jesus, since it's you, you just say the word and I'm coming out on the water to you. Was Peter trying to learn to walk on the water? No. Peter wanted to be where Jesus was. That was his motivation. Lord, if that's you, I'm coming to you. I'm getting out of this boat, and I I don't know how this storm's going to turn out, but Jesus, I'm coming to you. Verse 29, Jesus says, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus when he saw the wind he was afraid and beginning to sink he cried out Lord save me immediately Jesus reached out with his hand took hold of him saying oh you of little faith why did you doubt let's be careful before we condemn Peter you say what the world happens here remember Jesus is not saying Peter if you if you could just work up and muster more faith, Peter, you would have been fine on top of the water. No, Jesus is simply reminding us of this. The most important, about fa- the most important thing about faith, don't miss this, it's not the amount. It's always the object of your faith. Peter's eyes begin to drift. Peter's eyes begin to notice what was around him. He began to sink. But then Jesus takes him by the hand and he cries out, Lord, save me. Listen, does genuine faith drift and wonder? Sometimes we may. Do we doubt? Sometimes we may, but it will always return to fixing our eyes on our king. That's genuine faith. You see that in the life of Peter here. And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Complete calm. Just a bit of imagination for a second. What do you think Peter said to the other disciples when he got in the boat? Can you imagine? Did you see that, guys? You all just sat in the boat. I said, they're walking on the water. You missed it. You said, maybe a little Peter strut about. I'm not sure. All the things that Peter got wrong, this one he nailed. He simply trusted Jesus. Verse 32, and they got in the boat. The wind ceased. And those in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly you are the Son of God. Now, quickly, I'm just going to give you a few big ideas, and these are going to be really fast, and then we're going to go into a song of response and move into our elder conversation. What are some things we can learn about faith from this passage quickly? and In fact, the team can just come on up and begin to play. I want you to stay with me, but let me give you some big ideas. The first one's this. Faith deepens as we know Jesus more. Pastor Mike, didn't we just hear that? Yeah, same same big idea. Here in the midst of this storm, when Jesus comes to them in the dark of night, The waves are crashing in the boat. The boat seems to be sinking. Jesus says something to them, and I want you to mark this in your Bible and not not miss it. Back up in verse 27. He says, take heart, it is me, do not be afraid. The literal translation of that is not, hey, it's me. The literal translation of that is this, I am, I am and boy, of those hebrew boys in the boat it triggered in their minds immediately they were reminded thinking back to the old testament and the covenant name god had given to them of how he made himself known i am who i am jesus says in the midst of the storm i want you to know something god almighty is in your midst i am and their faith grows by god's revelation of himself to them in the midst of the storm Faith deepens as we know Jesus more and more. Faith obeys the word of Jesus. Peter, got a lot of things wrong. But boy, in this one, he gets it right. Jesus simply with one word of command says this,
1: come, come.
0: And Peter simply obeyed the word of the Lord. His faith is deepening. His faith is maturing. Even we didn't understand it, even in the midst of crisis, one word from the mouth of Jesus. And Peter obeys. The final big idea: faith worships in response to divine revelation. All those guys in the boat man just a few minutes early they're horrified they're screaming out they think the world is ending what are we going to do and this passage ends an incredible verse that simply says and in the boat they worshiped him and they said truly you are the son of god they worshiped remember last week the story of jesus's hometown and jesus revealed himself and made themselves known and they were they took offense at him jesus is nothing special these guys, truly, you are the son of God. Genuine faith as Jesus makes himself known to us through his word, worships in spirit and in truth. And we see that here in this passage. Final thought, and I'll pray and we'll be done is this. Well, Pastor Mike, I get all that and I, I see all that this morning. And you know what? If Jesus was physically right here beside me every day like he was with the disciples, I could do some of those things the disciples did. Maybe I'd have the courage to walk out of the boat. Maybe I'd have the courage to minister to thousands like the disciples did. Jesus was right there with them. They had an advantage I don't have, you might say to yourself. If you know your Bible, you know that Jesus says, oh, on the contrary. In fact, in John sixteen seven, and we'll close with this, he says, nevertheless... Speaking to his disciples, he said, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. He said, if I do not go away, the helper will not come. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus says, you and I, because of the spirit of Jesus Christ indwelling every one of us, every moment of every day, with the power and the resources and the life of Jesus, you got it better than these disciples we just read about. Jesus says, it's better. You are filled and indwelt by the Spirit of Jesus himself, child of God. Amen? It's a picture of faith in the midst of a storm, fear, and a picture of faith facing great need. Lord, we love you. We need you. God, I pray just like these disciples, Lord, you'll deepen our faith. You will grow our view of you. Lord, we can honor and worship you as these disciples did. We love you and we praise you in Christ's name. Amen. Why don't you stand?